This is an NBA Sound System presentation of The Pickup Game with Seth Greenberg, produced by Hall Pass Media. To watch the entire video series, visit hallpassnetwork.com. Now, to The Pickup Game. Welcome to The Pickup Game, and uh, I'm really excited uh, to have Jim Beheim, Jay Wright, Alvin Gentry uh, joining us. And before we get started, we've done this now <clears throat> for the last month or so. You know, it's really important that we thank the doctors and the nurses and the hospital workers and the teachers and the people that are moving our food chain and the EMT people and all the first responders and the frontline workers for all they're doing uh, to give us a sense of opportunity to live our lives and the sacrifices they're making. I, I said this last week, it's kind of interesting. You talk about everyone embracing their role and championing their role. And, you know, during the course of the season, you now have players that kind of are disappointed. They're not getting enough shots or not getting enough minutes to not getting something. And then you think back to these people, and they're going in each and every day and sacrificing their lives for others. So, uh, you know, I really appreciate you guys being here with us. And I just think it's important that we recognize the people that are really making the greatest sacrifices for us. And uh, hopefully then someone extremely brilliant will step up and find a cure for this horrendous virus. But uh, I appreciate you guys being here. Now, I guess the last five weeks we've had the entertainment of the last dance. So I know all of you guys have had interaction with Michael Jordan. You also have some type of experiences working at the camp or, or, uh, interaction with him one-on-one. So I'm going to start with you, Coach Bayon. When you watched Last Dance, what was your first impression, and did it change anything about how you felt about Michael or the Bulls? Not at all. I mean, I played golf with him, cards with him. You know, I mean, he's a competitive guy. He's the ultimate competitor that I've ever seen. I thought uh, I thought Kobe was close uh, um, in terms of just every day coming in, going after it. Um, but uh, Michael's just a little bit ahead, but, but the two of those guys stand out to me in terms of guys that they're trying to win every second of every day, whatever it is they're doing. And it showed, it showed not only on the court, off the court in business, uh, and everything that they did. I mean, uh, but Michael, uh, not anything surprising, uh, pushing people, um, to be better. Um, nothing there. Uh, I thought it was a great series. Uh, we all watched it together here at home. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm, I try to tell my son sometimes how great Scottie Pippen was. And you can see it a little bit in there, but I think he's one of the most underrated players of all time. I, I, think, I think he's the best defensive player I've ever seen. He, he, they always say you can guard multiple positions. He could. He could guard all the positions. And uh, there's not many that can do that. And uh, he's the change in Chicago. When he came, they won. He, I think he's just an underrated player. And I, I don't think – I think people remember him for not going to the game or contract problems. And it's unfortunate. I've also spent time with him, one of the nicest guys, the nicest guys, it's a case where your public image isn't who you are, and in the kind of like you. Yeah, well, <laughs> there's a lot of debate about that. <laughs> it's two to two at right, home. You're right. It's two to two at home right now. Two four two against. So I don't know. 
Jerry, how about you? We lost our dog this year, so that was my swing vote for me. But what's that? For or against? Well, it's really there. Really, is probably four zero, but I'm 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 th there's my son who plays for me can't come out against me. Really, <laughs> my, my my daughter can't too much because she's got the credit card out there today. <laughs> the other two, they're gone. They're against. I can't. <laughs> oh my God, Jay, what's your take? Well. Jim hit on some good points. You know, if you, I, it, it didn't change anything. It just reminded me of his greatness, and I, and I think it, uh, it, it, it showed a new generation. You know, I, like Jim, I'm sitting here watching it with my kids, and my kids are in their mid twenties, early twenties, and uh, they kind of knew him. They, they knew how good he was, but it, it just started. Their girlfriends were here. They're they're in awe of him. And um, it's interesting, guys, all of us on here, Alvin, Jim, myself, we, we all worked uh, at, at Michael's fantasy camp. And, you know, you spend time with them even there. Like, I didn't play cards with them or got the gym play cards with them. He competed at every you, – you'd see him the next day arguing about the golf the, a golf game or a card game. He, he'd pull out campers and play one-on-one -on -one and was determined not to let anybody beat him. And uh, he also showed that he's got the whole package. You would see that when you worked at his camp too. Classy, great one-on-one, -on -one, very great communicator, but very driven. Everything at the camp was first class. And um, it just reminded me of all the little ways that he inspired people. And it's, it's been great for our team. Like we've used it like as a book club. Like you, you watch it. Each week, it's easier to get them to watch that than it is to get them to read a book. But they they watch that, and then we have a Zoom session and just talk about it. And the today's players are learning so much from him and this last dance that it's been really valuable to our team. Alan, you you coached against him a bunch, like in a real game. Uh, yeah, it, it was not that <laughs> successful either. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now he he uh i think jim said it best you know the most competitive guy that you ever gonna uh see in any sport i think i think he's the number one competitor in any sport that you can talk about uh the closest would be kobe i think uh who was very much like him and emulated him in a lot of ways i think but uh uh nothing changed uh, my opinion of him as a matter of fact all it did was uh solidify what a competitor he was uh, when you think about it and you look about that. And the other thing I like about him is that, you know, uh, he, he was direct in, in his speech, you know, whatever he had to say, uh, he would say it. And it, it, it didn't come from a third source or a second source or anything, which I thought uh, was unbelievable. Um, you know, I, I, I think that carried through. Uh, I mean, obviously, he's been un unbelievable successful as far as a a business guy or anything but you know to me when you think about this competitive there was one thing on there that just you know if you know anything about him uh remember the scene where they're pitching they're pitching quarters in the in the locker room right there and hey he he wanted to win everything that 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 even came his way it didn't matter what it was or who it was against 
And I think that speaks volume of, of, of what he did. You know, I mean, you get to the finals and you win six straight. That, that, that's pretty unbelievable. Well, I've got a question. So leadership, you know, we always want great leaders on our team, someone that other people are going to follow. You know, you guys are all coaching teams, all right? Now, you watch Michael Jordan. He was obviously the leader of the Bulls. Now, he lead, led in a different way. How many guys could lead like that? Well, how do you deal with your teams watching him saying, all right, and like, my man challenged people. Now, Jim, you had Carmelo. I mean, Jay, you, you had Arch and, and Josh Hart and other great leaders. Alvin, obviously, you got Zion Williamson, who met, probably is not ready to be the leader, but is a guy that people are looking to. Like, how do you guys deal with that image of leadership within the world you're living in now? Well, it would be hard today to do that. Um, I think there's just too many individuals uh, with too many ideas of their own. And I think it would be hard to do that. Um, I think you can do it. I think, I think LeBron to some extent can do it, does it a little bit now. But to that extent that Michael did it, I think it would be hard. You have to look, too, at the, the players around him. Um, the guys around him, Steve Kerr, those guys, they didn't, you know, they, they're going to do what they're going to do. But um, I think a leader like that is uh, it's almost better than the coach sometimes, and especially in the NBA where so much is player-driven. Um, but uh, it, it might be a little hard to get away with some of that today. But I think if he was here and playing, and he'd probably be able to pull it off. Yeah, I, I spent a lot of time talking to Steve Kerr and, uh, you know, about just playing with Michael and being on the team. And he said the one thing that was just so constant with him is that, you know, that he was out there to win and win championships. So, uh, you know, you were you were willing to uh, uh, do that. And, and if you were a player that came in and, and worked hard and, you know, you beat him to the gym and you were there afterwards, uh, he had a lot of respect for that. You know, and I think he had a lot of respect obviously for guys that would challenge him you know he and steve got into a little altercation well steve's not going to back down and i think that probably gained more respect for for him for michael than anybody uh but but you know the leadership thing uh i think it would be hard to do that right now but there's so many guys that you can lead in different ways you know i've got you know one of jay's guys and josh hart and uh doesn't say a whole lot but uh you know he leads when he's out there and the way he plays and the way he approached the game, uh, I think that's that's a leadership uh, uh, situation also. So uh, I think he can do it in a lot of ways. Uh, I don't know if he could do that nowadays, like uh, Jim saying with all the players. But if anyone could, he would be the one that could be would, would be able to do it. That's a, that's that's funny, Alvin. You say that about Josh because the the episode where. Uh, he where Michael punched Steve Kerr and which is so beautiful for today's <laughs> players to see is he yeah he punched Steve Kerr and he got thrown out of practice yeah. him out of practice and he left and he went to the locker room and and I texted jo that was a Josh Hart move in practice <laughs> he, he was so yeah. competitive he was so competitive that as a matter of fact Mikhail Bridges who who now plays for the Sons, when he yeah. was young, Mikhail was long enough to block Josh's shot sometime in practice. And we blocked him, <laughs> and he would be going down for dunk. We would all yell, no, no, let him go. And Josh would just <laughs> take him out and kill him. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I, I, sometimes I, he'd have to get thrown out of practice. But you, but you loved him I mean, for that. Yeah. Trust and, you me, know, I know that. 
you know. <laughs> still, are you still dealing with that? Oh, he he is the he is the one guy, you know. That, uh, he feels like every call goes for the first team anyway. So you, know, <laughs> you you've been there. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But, but I, I I tell you, I love him. I wouldn't trade him for anything. The guy, the kid's a winner, and uh, and 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 is a big time competitor. Also, you know, he is man. But so yeah, all back. I'm sorry. You, go ahead, go ahead, Jay, Jay, go ahead. As Jim was saying, no, when you look back at your your best teams, you know, you, you always had a guy like that. And and what I was thinking about as a coach and looking at Michael's leadership is like, how do you find those guys? And I I don't I haven't figured it out yet how to find them. You, you try, but after you have them, you just you know, for us, if we look back at any of our best teams, we had a guy. Similar, Jalen Brunson was like that. Archie Diakono was was like that, and um, Scotty Reynolds was like that. And it just you you, you just have those guys. Um, but to Jim's point, not no one on that level. It's just the highest level. Six NBA championships is just incredible. I, you know, the other thing that is interesting to me watching the thing is you know I and again this is. Th- things you guys deal with is everyone had a role like everyone played to their strengths if you look at that team six championships well Kerr made open shots and Robin rebounded and and defended and Pippen was like kind of positionless and Jordan was Jordan and the big guys did what they did do you guys are you guys able to kind of lock into your guys and say like hey guys we're not putting you in a small box but we're just trying to get you to play to your strengths I mean is that something you can translate to your guys in terms of helping you and then I guess the second part of it is, all right, day off. We got practice. Rodman goes and does his wrestling deal. All right, I need to get a little reaction from all three on those two things because I mean, I mean, I mean, I, I, I that that I, I almost fell out of bed last night watching that. Well, you know, I think obviously today's world that would be hard to pull off. <laughs> I had a player I won't mention, but you know, every year he would go home for Christmas and wouldn't come back. And uh, <laughs> you know, we three years, three years in a row, and we would just, you know, we call him. You know, okay, you know, he's going to be punished. There's going to be, but he really, you know, he'd have five days. We'd be practicing. You know, the second day or third day he'd want to come and we'd get him and he'd be back. But, you know, obviously some punishment involved, but, uh, you know, there's different guys. I remember I had Derek Coleman, who was a great player, and every year at Christmas he didn't think three days was enough. So he said, coaches, <laughs> I need four days. I said, well, that's going to cost you. And, <laughs> but he, he took the four days, you know. <laughs> I'll never forget, we're playing a national TV or kind of an e-regional at that time with Providence, and uh, he didn't come back. So I said, well, you're not starting. He said, okay, that's good. So the game starts, and I can see he's not happy. And we're playing great. So we're up like 18 to 4, and I'm not even looking at him. Like, (laughs) He came back on time after that. He didn't, he didn't miss anything. <laughs> they all, well, at the end of the day, they want to play. And, well, and, and I think in the, boom. And I think in the NBA, it's a little different, you know. But uh, I'm I always marvel at the coaches to say I treat all my players the same. 
uh, I have two, I have two kids. I don't even treat them the same. So uh, I'm always amazed why you go, I treat everybody the same. That's why we really don't have a lot of rules and everything is done on an individual basis uh, for that very reason right there. You know, I think that uh, you have to deal with, uh, with people differently. And obviously when I was at Phoenix and, you know, if there, if Steve, if Steve Nash was late, then God, we always had mechanical trouble with the bus. I don't know why, but, you know, there was always something happened where, you know, the guy just had to check one more thing on the bus, you know, to get there. Uh, however, if it, if it was Lou Almason, he had to get his, he'll have to find his own way to shoot around. So, you know. <laughs> and it's a great story. Lou Almason used to always kid, he, he, you know, I, I, I get on him and, uh, and I get on him hard and he would go, God, man, I wonder what Steve did to piss him off today. You know, <laughs> he always felt like <laughs> the punishment he got was from Steve. It was from Steve now. <laughs> so, we haven't we haven't had our our Zoom meeting for this last episode. I can't wait to hear what our guys have to say about him taking off and going to to wrestling. Could you imagine? <laughs> could you imagine if they did that today and it was on social uh, media with him at a yeah. wrestling match and everybody was watching it at that time. I had forgotten. And, 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 I I totally. It just shows you like what a great job Phil Jackson did with that team because when it when it came up on the show, I remember, but I totally forgotten about that. And they won championships and it really didn't have anything. And he had. I thought Phil Jackson had the greatest line. And I, Alvin, I haven't coached with you, but I have coached with Jim. I've been his assistant on USA Basketball. He is the best at this. He is the best at knowing what impacts. Winning and losing, I could we could tell stories about him dealing with superstars in oh. Brazil on USA team. <laughs> I can only imagine that one. <laughs> oh, he he is the best. But when they said to Phil, "What do you think about Dennis Rodman taking away the con the concentration from the NBA Finals?" He said. He's not taking away our concentration. He's taking away your concentration. That was, that was amazing. To me, it makes a great big deal about these things. As long as your team is focused, like Phil Jackson said, it doesn't matter what people are saying. And one thing I learned from, about players, to Alvin's point, you, you treat players differently. You know, there's just the way it, it's – in some ways, you're consistent. In other ways, there's going to be some flexibility. But I'll never forget, I was coaching freshman ball my first year. We were undefeated, and I had a center who just was, you know, always on the edge. Then he went over the edge, went over the edge, and I'm ready. You know, we got four games to go. I'm ready to suspend him. And, and the players, I had two captains, and they came to me before practice. He said, Coach, Coach, I know you're upset. I know you're upset, but we need this guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So we won our games, and he played. Guys, win. I think on our level, the the best discipline you can have is is you know peer pressure. You know, I think if if the if the other players are disciplined, the players, and I make sure that the captains understand that. You know, I say, what do you guys want to do? What 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 do you want to do in this situation? And uh, you know, usually uh, pressure coming from the from your peers or teammates or whatever you want to call it is a, it, I think it's a lot more effective than really coming from the coach even. So, uh, and I think players understand each other and they understand that sometimes there have to be tough decisions made. Uh, so they're not afraid to do that really, but I do 
believe <laughs> and understand what Jim is saying when players will come to you and say, hey, can't we suspend him next week? You know. <laughs> <laughs> but that goes to the locker room because you're only as good as your locker room. So yeah, if, oh, you, have no, a, no if you have a good locker room or you got like Jordan who goes, hey, you know, all right, Dennis is Dennis. We need him to win. But like I always say in the month of February, if you got a bad locker room, you got no chance. Yeah. Well, the oh. other thing about that is you know about rules, you want to have as few rules as you can because exactly. You know, that way you can talk to players. And I talk to them all the time. I said, look, I don't want to suspend somebody because I'm hurting all you guys. And, you know, I'm hurting 20,000 fans that want to come and see us win. So I don't want to do that, and I'm not going to do it unless it's the, the you know, it's got to be pretty egregious. I try to run guys or bring them in for study, whatever, do anything, but try to avoid suspending players. And and it, and you can do it. I'm done it for 44 years that's, that's why i think that's why I, that's why I think you just cannot have these hardcore rules you know right. where you hand out this book and say you know you're late for two practices then you're suspended for a game or if you you know do this or you do that. i i just think it has to be done on an individual basis and and, and not that you uh, you compromise a lot but you know there there is extenuating circumstances sometimes where if you just got it black and white uh, then you put yourself in a real precarious situation. I think. Hey, Beheim's sounding too much. He's sounding too soft. I, I got to tell you, <laughs> USA basketball story. We we had a great center. It was a big man. Brian Cook played the NBA. We had a big lead in a game in Brazil, and Jim goes to the end of the bench, and we're up. And Brian didn't play as much as he thought he should. And Jim says, uh, "Brian, go ahead." And Brian said, "Nah, I'm good." Jim said, you're good. How about I put you on a plane back to the U.S. right now? I was a young coach at Hofstra, then I watched that. I was like, whoa, that's a first-round pick. He's going to put him on a plane and put him home. <laughs> Uh, well, he wasn't that good. <laughs> <laughs> hh hey, hey, if he was red, hey, that's like the Derek Coleman story. So, oh, by the way, Derek, four days is fine as long as you can come back on the fifth day and get 20 and 20. <laughs> <laughs> he could do that. Maybe more. That's the problem. He could do that. <laughs> so, so you all are the championship teams. What what do you think, you know, and watching a team that won six, what do you think is the one or two things that you say, you know what, besides players, what's the one or two traits you think those teams all possess, whether it's your team or watching those other teams that enables them to kind of navigate the season? Uh, I think Jay may have said it best. I think just understanding roles. I think if you understand roles, everyone can't be the, the leading scorer. Everyone can't, you know, the shots that other people can take that are not good shots for you. And I think on that team right there, if you look at that team, there was such an understanding of how you could contribute to the team and exactly what your role was. And I think everybody was very accepting of that. And I think when you do that, you're probably going to get the best out of your team. And it may not be a championship team because they had such a high talent level. Um, it's like Coach said, 
Scottie Pippen to me is 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 maybe the second best basketball player <laughs> that there ever was. Uh, all the things that he can do and his size and everything. So uh, you have to have the talent, but I think acceptance of roles uh, to me is, is is the second most important thing that you can have. I was struck by the by how many times Michael said at the end of the season, uh, in the play at the end of the playoffs, he was saying, "I was physically." exhausted i was mentally exhausted and i don't know you know unless you've been in that situation you can understand mentally i know when we won in 16 in 17 we we were the number one seed in the nsa tournament and i I, you know i hadn't done it before so i didn't know what the hell i was doing but i knew in that tournament we were mentally from the whole season before and the whole off season and this we were mentally shot. We were exhausted at going into the NCAA tournament. I didn't know what to do about it at the time. And when I heard him say that, I, I realized how much they had to fight through. We were just back, trying to fight through back to back. They did it for six years. I don't think anyone could understand mentally how difficult that is unless you've been through it. And no one's been through that. No one's done it six times. Well, I think the all the things that, that, that Al, Alvin said and, and Jay said are right. I mean, the balance, the roles. But at the end of the day, you watch those games. Michael Jordan made the plays. I mean, uh, at the end of the game, any other team would have lost in those games. I mean, to steal the ball from Carl Malone alone. I mean, he probably lost the ball once like that all year to make that play, to make the shot, to make the drive. Um he, you fail a lot when you have the ball late game situations, but he seemed to make a lot of late game situation plays, and I just think it's a tribute to Michael Jordan that you can that they could win that many. I mean, uh, it's awful hard to do, and I mean Pippen obviously was a great player, but the other guys were role players. But I think it's really a testament to Michael Jordan um, uh, being able to do that. I. I just, I, I remember I've, when I first went to meet him and play golf with him, I was shaken the whole time because I had such respect for his game. I think when I met him, he'd won two championships. And, I mean, I, I, I don't, as Jay knows, I don't have the kind of awe for people that much anymore, especially now at this stage. But, you know, Michael Jordan is Michael. He's, it's a different level. And, uh uh, I just I, I don't think anybody else could have done what he. That's why he won six and won six MVPs. I mean, there aren't many guys like him uh, in any sport, any time, uh, with not only the ability but the competitive edge that he had is has been unmatched, and that's why they won those championships. And probably would have won a couple more if he didn't play baseball or. If they'd have kept that team together, it would have been hard to beat them. Been hard to beat them. You know, he thought, said a, he said a, he said a real interesting thing to uh, Grant Hill. He says uh, you talked about him having the ball at the end of the game. He said they never ever remember the ones you miss. They only remember the ones you make. He said so. I don't understand where the pressure is. He says <laughs> he said you got to tell me where the pressure is. He said they never think about the ones you miss. All they remember is the one I made in Cleveland or the one I made in Utah. He said, I, there was a lot that I missed, too. You yeah. know? 
Oh, yeah. yeah, but Scotty Pippen's line was great. He said, basically, said, uh, what were you thinking? He said, get the hell out of his way. <laughs> <laughs> and he torched my guy, Brian Russell, who, oh, by the way, let's face it, I'm going to defend my guy. I don't care. As strong as Jordan is, that little push, I know he was oh. off balance and all that other stuff, but that little push, come on, my guy my guy got torched. He, <laughs> he, he could really defend Brian Russell. I mean, he's stuck in the league 13 years. No ref no, no in the world is going to call that foul. When I was at Miami, uh, he played golf all day over Fisher Island. You probably got you know, you know yeah. Fisher Island. You have to take yeah. a ferry over there. And the guy called and said, Michael's been over here all day. So we start the game that night. And, you know, he's just going to kind of coast through. And Steve Smith and a couple of other guys, Willie Burton and some of our younger guys, you know, he's got four at the end of the first quarter. And they were like, okay, it's our time now. You know, you, you're getting older. Uh, I, said, oh, I said, oh, my God, what have you guys done? So, you know, Kevin, Kevin, Kevin Lockery was his first coach. So he came over our, by our bench. He put his hands on his knees. He said, man, I thought I was just going to have to coast through this. But I guess there's lessons to be learned here. So he had two. He had two at the end of the first quarter. He had forty-seven at the end of the third. That's all you need to know. <laughs> he was great at creating causes. I've never. I'm not, I was big on creating causes with my team. That yeah. dude created causes for his partners. I mean, it was. It, it is. It is ridiculous. So, triangle offense. I mean, you talk about finding a system that fits players. Now, whatever system you probably would have run with him would have been pretty good. I look at that thing, I say the defense is what made him better. But, like, fitting players to your system or, you know, like, putting guys in position to play to their strengths, what, what was your guys' take on that? Like, Alvin, you, you live it every day in the NBA, adjusting to your personnel. But was that brilliance? Was that happenstance? What, what you got on that? Well, I, I still think that uh, it's an offense where, you know, your best players are going to end up with the ball. Uh, you know, I, I think what it does is that it allow ball movement. It allow everyone to kind of touch the ball. And you know how players are, not so much as shooting it, but they just want to feel like they're involved. And I think what that offense does is that it gets everyone involved. It gets ball movement. But, you know, it it's going to end up in your best player's hand uh, when you need it to be there the most. And I think that's why it was so successful. No doubt that was uh, it's an isolation offense and you get the ball to your your best player if they don't double team he's going to score if they double team he's going to find the open guy like he found Steve Kerr so I mean it's a space offense it gets you know it's hard to do that I mean you got to have great you got to have a great player I think right um, yeah you know to do that and that's been proven a little bit over the years you know Kobe and Michael were very successful with it not too many others but as a coach you're trying to you always change your offense a little bit to go to where your strength is, whether it's inside, outside, or driving, or shooting. So you're always trying to adjust a little bit with your offense. But at the end of the day, you get the ball to your – I learned a long time ago, Lou Karnasek was coaching at St. John's, and they, they – you know, pretty basic. Everything was pretty simple, and everybody said, well, he didn't do that much. But, you know, one thing about St. John's, at the end of the game, Chris Mullen had the basketball in his hand. <laughs> Everybody else got a chance for 30 minutes. The last 10 minutes, Chris Mullen had the ball or Walter Berry had the ball, and they beat you. They, those two guys, no one else would take a shot in the last 10 minutes unless it was a layup. And they had some good players, but those two guys, they got the ball, 
and they played good defense, and you know they won a lot of games. The Lou got a lot of criticism at St. John's. I don't think they've ever won. They haven't won as many games since he's been gone. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Twenty-some years ago, too. Yeah, I, I think the, I think the triangle was, you know, a combination of uh, um, good, great role playing, and Michael being the best player, um, much like LeBron does now, always making the right play. So it was a it was a great offense to have good spacing. So you, you didn't have your best players standing in the same spots all the time. It was tough. It was tough to find spots to double team them. And, um, but then everyone played their role. So, you know, any offense is going to work if everyone plays their role and everyone shares the ball and they had great team chemistry and, and played so well together. So it's, it's a, it's always a combination, you know, of it, it's good spacing, good offense, but, the players are smart and they know the roles. And, you know, like Alvin and Jim both said, that offense is all great during the game, and but at the end, it's <laughs> in Michael's hands. Yeah, Pretty good. Your best players do you think most. I, 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 my brother used to have a great line when, when we were working together, which was obviously part shit show, part worked pretty well. <laughs> uh, and I, I would I would go take someone out who was, who was one of our best players, and he would always turn to me and go, why don't you take him out? Like he's our best player. He's not tired. Just let him play. <laughs> and it's like kind of like the same thing. At the end of the game, like just put it. You know, your best player is going to go win it, win or lose a game for you. you know I mean, hey, just, sir, first place is one Greenberg. Second place is two. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's been sitting on that all day. You know what I mean? One first place is two. <laughs> hey, hey, the only guy that's never well, after I left, the thing that pissed Jim Calhoun off more than anything in the history of life is that Beheim never played a game in Castle Coliseum. Oh. And the one year I went to the Big East meeting, oh. the two greatest things that happened at the Big East meeting, I know you got a call later, is number one was you and I went to play golf and we were supposed to play with Gino Oriama and Jim Calhoun. And you, Jay Wright, who everyone thinks is like the world's most interesting man, who always has a smile on his face, we get there first. He goes, we got to get in the same car together. I want Gino and Calhoun to be in the same car <laughs> for four hours. He that said, this will, be, this will be priceless. <laughs> priceless. So yeah, we, get, we get there. Was that the funniest day in the world? That was unbelievable. And <laughs> set, he set up all the golf for us, and he did that purposely just to set that up. <laughs> he was in charge of the golf remember he the meetings would end because jim had tea times which i loved him for at the time but jim had the tea times set up he had he put us together with those two psychos purposely <laughs> and then you put them together and for four hours you can turn it to me this is my first biggie speaker you imagine what's going on in that car? <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think they ever said a word. I don't think. So. I don't. Boy, I don't. I don't even know him that well. I know Gino pretty good. And I know uh, Calhoun pretty good. I can't imagine those two together though. No. I can't imagine. Oh, the teams were me and Gino against Seth and the Hooter. They, they were the team. Yeah. yeah. Were, that was. And, and, and Gino <laughs> thought Hooner was cheating. <laughs> <laughs> and then but in the, at that meetings, Calhoun got so ticked off at you because you had never been 
to Blacksburg. Every time we played Syracuse, <laughs> it was at Syracuse. The luck of the draw. The luck of the draw. <laughs> you ran the Big East. That, 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 you, that was brought up in every meeting because when Virginia Tech came into the Big East, you know, we had all cities to go. Before you guys came in, we had all cities to go to. They're all good trips. And Jim had a great restaurant in every city. That's all he cared about. <laughs> he didn't want to go to Blacksburg. And because he was the king of the Big East back then, he, they never made him go. And Calhoun <laughs> put up every year. It was nothing to do with it. It just the way the schedule worked. Luck of the draw. Luck of the draw. Luck of the draw. It's like Greensboro in the ACC tournament. Oh, we've got a All right. Zion Williamson. I'd like yeah. you guys to. What is it like to coach that dude? And like, is that the next rock show? You know, rock star just every single night. And what after that? I want you two guys. What advice would you give in dealing with a guy that's yeah. that ridiculous? You know, I I think you know. Number one, I'm incredibly lucky because not only is he a great player, but he's a great kid. Good background, great mom. But uh, I'll tell you what he does is that he wants to be great and. Uh, he also wants to fit in. I have to tell him time and time again, I don't want you to fit in. <laughs> I want you to be Zion. Uh, and I think he'll get there. Uh, uh, but he's so accepting. Uh, his teammates are so accepting of him because uh, I think there is a, uh, you know, there is a, a teenage attitude about him. You know, he just, he was 19, just turned 20 years old. Uh, but he wants to be uh, accepted by his teammates. So, uh, he, I've never seen a player ever that has a second jump like his. Uh, there was a play in the Utah game where he shot a floater and Gobert went up to block it and he went around him and he was dunking the ball in before Gobert really got back down on the floor. And I just thought, man, I've never seen him play like that. So uh, he works hard. He's going to improve his shooting. Uh, he'll get better at it. I think he's got a chance to be a great, great player in this league. He's Obviously, he's got to get better defensively. That's where he'll be challenged. Uh, but he's a, he's a, he's got, he's got a good basketball IQ, a very high basketball IQ, terrific passer, uh, knows where he should be defensively. I just think that's an area where he'll work on and he'll get much better at it, but, uh, hadn't had any problem at all coaching him. He doesn't have the prima donna thing going. Uh, he really does just want to fit in. And so we've got a really young team. You know, you think about it. I had three 19 year olds on my team. I had a 22, a 23 a 24 year old on my team and all of them, you know, played significant minutes really. You know, we played against him twice and I've, I haven't seen anybody like him. I mean, I, I think Charles was a little like him by, as right, I yeah. a couple of times and just Charles was a little shorter, a little smaller, really. And this kid, I mean, I've never seen anything so explosive in my life. I mean, he just can do things that I don't think, I don't know who's ever been able to do. Charles, the only guy I can compare him to, and Charles really is six four. I mean, six five maybe. And uh, this guy, this kid, he, he's a phenomenal player. If he's healthy, he's gonna he's gonna do a lot of things over the next ten or fifteen years. Uh, I just yeah. crazy crazy talent. How does that talent compare to like Melo when you had him that one year? Because Melo was was a great player right away, right out of the box. I mean, he was a guy that could shoot the three, pull it up, or get to the basket. And, uh, you know, he was – we had a very young team. We won a national championship with young players, really the first team to win 
with all young players. Jerry was a freshman. Mello was a freshman. Akeem Wark was a sophomore. We had a lot of young guys, and Mello was the guy. I mean, the the last two games, he uh, he took over the. You know, you don't expect a freshman to do that. He uh, took over the Texas game, then the Kansas game. Uh, Kansas had a great team. Uh, they had a great team, and uh, he just took over the game. He different player. Uh, one of the best offensive players I've ever seen. I've been around a lot of guys. I mean, he was a tremendous offensive player. I don't think he. I don't think he gets his due. I don't think he gets his due even in our league. I, 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 I'm amazed that when they talk about the greatest players, that they don't mention his name. You know, this generation, that generation of you know Wade and LeBron and you know Chris Paul and those guys. To me, he is he is as good an offensive player as I've seen since I've been in the league and, uh, and, and plays to win too. I think, you know, I think it's interesting that, uh, Alvin, when he talks about Zion and this is what you're great for him. Um, it's just talking about what kind of person he is, how he handles his teammates, how he's handling the, the pressure on him to be great, because that's, that's one of the greatest challenges all these young great players have is, is, when they're off the court and, um, you know, with their teammates in the locker room, e even on the bench, when, when they're playing, they're comfortable, but um, you're going to be great for him, Alvin. And he's, he's lucky to have you in that way. Jay, what, what advice would you give a young player today? Like, 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 like if you could pick like one, one word of advice for like, cause today's player is different. I understand that. And the static around them and the pressure around them. And like, I think young players today think that the NBA is a rite of passage and really it's a very exclusive club. So like what bit of advice would you each of you guys give like a young player or a, a parent or a family or whatever that's going through this journey? One thought we, we try, I'm saying we try, this is hard to share with our guys is, is be here now. You know, there's there's so much pressure on the guys in high school, in college to get to the NBA, you know, and then when they get to the NBA and they're young, you know, it's all about the second contract. And it, like no one ever talks about what are you doing today to get better? And are you enjoying the process of just playing basketball today and getting better? Like no one talks to them about that. And we try, we try to do that. Like just, yo, know, that's all going to come. That just, just be here now. Let, let's enjoy this practice today. Let's enjoy this game today in college, or even if you're recruiting them in high school. You know, in, enjoy this high school game today. That's great advice. That's the hardest problem for us today. Every player, and literally every top hundred player in the country thinks they are going to play in the NBA and their whole thought process is playing in the NBA. They're talking about, well, I'm going to go here to get prepared for the NBA. Well, you, you know, I mean, you've got to just take it like, like Jay said, you day at a time, let's enjoy this. Let's work through this. It's hard, but if you work hard, anything can happen. I've had some guys make the NBA who no one thought could make the NBA. And some other guys, obviously, that people think can make it that don't make it. It's very difficult. But enjoy the process. Go through. Have fun. College can be the best time of your life. It can be the most fun in your life. And 
when you're ready to go, then okay, let's, then you can go. But try to enjoy the process first. Let's go through this and enjoy going to college, enjoy meeting people and playing basketball, getting better, working at the game. Yeah, mine's a little different in that, you know, what Jay said is that they're always playing for the next contract. And, uh, you know, the thing that I try to tell them is that you got to enjoy the moment and, and, and it doesn't come easy. You know, I say, go back and look at Kobe's rookie year. Go back and look at, you know, Alex English. I think averaged like six points a game. He ended up scoring 25,000 points in the NBA. Uh, so I, I just think it's really important that you understand, to me, the key thing with all of it is work ethic. And I think like Coach Beheim said, there's been guys that everybody thought were going to be great in this league that didn't make it. There's been other guys. You know, I always point to guys at P.J. Tucker. I took him out of the CBA and he, the one thing he asked me, he said, what do I have to do to never go back to the CBA? And I said, you have to be able to play hard, have great work, work ethic, and then be a good team guy. He said, okay, I'll never go back down there then. And he, and he hadn't been. And so I think it's really important for young players to understand that it doesn't have to happen right away, that it is a process and you have to have good work ethic and you have to improve your game and you have to know the areas that you got to get better in. And you have all the time in the world. This is not like college, you know. You have all the time in the world to work on your game on our level. There are no restrictions. There are no limitations. Uh, and there's guys that take full advantage of that. And there's other guys that, that, that they don't take advantage of. Yeah, I think all that stuff's great. I, I, my big thing in my mind, just uh, just from the outside looking in now, is run your own race. I mean, everyone, everyone has yeah. their own race. Uh, yeah, everyone wants to run the next guy's race. How about, like, living in your moment? and run your own race. And like I used PJ Washington, the kid in Kentucky a couple years ago, he decided to come back his sophomore year. And it's like sacrilegious at Kentucky. You got to come back your sophomore year. Well, you know, he ended up lottery pick. Like everyone wants to get to the finish line, but there's a process to get to the finish line. And if everyone just says, you know what? I'm not worried about the guy next to me. I'm not worried about the guy before me or the guy behind me. I'm going to run my race and stay in my moment in time and work as hard as I can to be the best me. When my time comes, it's not about just getting to the league for college guys. That's, I think they don't understand that. It's about staying in the league. It's about it's actually about being ready for the league because you go from high school to college, that's a big jump. The guys, high school kids work, watch college games and they think it's easy. And it's not easy. And then they realize it and they go, holy shit, this is hard. And then guys work watch college guys work NBA, watch NBA games and they think that's easy. And that's really hard. So, I, I, you know, if guys would just learn to run their own race, I think it would be better. And, you know, I can't appreciate what I really appreciate you guys coming on and doing this. This this is it's great therapy for all of us. At least it's very therapy for me. I don't know about for you guys. Just a little bit of normalcy in our lives to be able to just talk ball and talk to each other about some different topics. Obviously, the last dance has been a great platform to do that. But, you know, I want to thank Albert and uh, for putting this thing together and uh, for you guys for joining us and also. I think we all be remiss because we've all been part of it. Even though I was like part of the five-star thing, but there's so many youth basketball coaches and people, young people that have given up a lot of their time during the course of, of the years to, to, to give kids opportunity to get to that next level that are doing a lot of good things. And, you know, let's face it, there's going to be nothing going on for these kids and these teams this summer. And you guys are going to have to evaluate in the summer to draft who knows when there's drafts yeah. going to be, there's going to be no combine. So, I think we also need to thank those people that have given up a lot of their time that, you know, maybe are void of that right now. And, and the kids that are going to be void of that experience 
an opportunity to get better this summer. So yeah. we feel for all those, but stay safe. And uh, I can't thank you guys enough for giving us some yeah. of your time. And Jay, I know you're really excited about the Big East meetings uh, from live from uh, Pennsylvania. <laughs> I miss when Bayhan used to run these meetings, man. <laughs> Good dinners. He never, he when, I was young, when I was a young head coach, don't worry about the meetings. I'll take you out to dinner. It'll be better than anything they serve. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Seth, and I also wanted to say, you know, especially in our case down here in New Orleans, that, you know, what you said to start this whole thing uh, about the, the doctors and the, the nurses and the first responders and, uh, you know, everybody else that is, uh, has been affected by this, they, they, they've done a great job here. They've done a tremendous job here. And I mean, there's people that are working 16 hour shifts and they go right back the next day. So, you know, I'd like to give a big shout out to them. Awesome. Uh, you know, I, especially being in the position that we are right here in New Orleans, they've done everything that they possibly could to keep people safe. And they've done a great job uh, working with the people that, you know, have gotten this dreaded virus and, and doing everything they can to save lives. So. Uh, I'd just like to send a big shout out to them here and all over the whole country and all over the world, really. And also, the, you know, the thing to think about is that this has been as tough a time as anything I've seen, but this country is strong. We're going to fight through this yeah. and we're going to find a way to play and we're going to find a way to get this thing solved. It's It's been a exactly. challenge. It's going to continue to be, but I think it's time to start being positive too and start thinking, let's go. Let's try to get back and get out there and do some things and safely and then yeah. get through this. Amen. All said. Amen. Hey, thanks again. And uh, by the way, Albert right. Hall, we give a big fat shout out to you. I don't know if you're on right now. And there's another show, Basketball Jones with Mark Jones. That's also going to be going on. Basketball Jones right there. I mean, Jones, he's, he's the best. I don't know about the wardrobe back in the day as I watched the last dance. <laughs> Jones, he's a lot better dressed now than he was back then. I mean, some of those combinations. I mean, we got to clean Jonesy up a little bit. I mean, and by the way, Jay Wright, you went from George Clooney to now you, you're more looking like the world's most interesting man. Ah, uh, it's, it's, it's a good show. Hey, I, want him, <laughs> hey, I want him to buy us one of those suits that you know you get for all of his seniors. You know, I like to have one of those. You know, just for one <laughs> one game on the sideline. <laughs> I, can't, I can't afford those, Alvin. You could. You, you wouldn't have fitted him anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Not like that. <laughs> well, thanks so much, guys. Appreciate. It. Hey, enjoy. Hey, say enjoy, guys. See you guys. Be safe. Yeah, all right. Thank you. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye.